you'll turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. We're going to look at Acts chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. We'll be there in just a few minutes. I'll give you time to find it. Several years ago, in the city of Pittsburgh, they constructed a large new post office building. And it came at the cost of several million dollars. And on the day of the opening, they had a big celebration. They invited the governor to come and be there, and he did indeed come, make a speech. There were bands that played, people that cheered, they cut ribbons and celebrated. It was quite the celebration for this multi-million dollar post office. Everything went as perfectly as it could be during the celebration, grand opening. The, the problem came the next day when the first man entered to mail a letter into the embarrassment of the postmasters and the engineers that had designed the building. It was discovered that in the rush to meet the deadline and get everything ready for the celebration, they had omitted the usual letter drop. And so here was a post office where there was no place to mail a letter. It was a costly post office, and it was impossible for it to accomplish its purpose. Now, obviously, it, was, it wasn't a big fix, but it was an omission, and it negated the very reason for its existence until it was fixed. And I wonder if a post office can lose focus on what really matters and forget why they exist, even for a moment. I wonder what else can and has forgotten its reason for existence. Two weeks ago, we talked about who's your one. We challenged you, we prayed for them today, the, the one individual that you're going to identify and pray for and begin to invite and share God's love with. We talked about the fact that Christ's followers rarely reach even one person with the gospel in their entire lifetime. We don't want to be that kind of church. We want to be a church that cares about others, that reaches out to them. And so we challenge you to identify at least one person. And here's the thing, if you find that one person over the next 30 days, you're already doing better than the average Christ follower. And it's not that after 30 days we don't care anymore. I just believe it's going to become a habit. It's contagious when you begin to see God use you to play a part in bringing people to him. Last week we talked about the next generation and how often Christ followers fail to reach the next generation. We fumble the passing of the baton from one generation to the next it begins in your own family, and I encourage you, if you don't currently have a family prayer time or a family uh, devotional time, it doesn't have to be three times a day, it doesn't even have to be daily, but find a time. Maybe it's every Friday morning before school or Friday evening before dinner around the table. Whatever works for your family. I know schedules are crazy, but find a time. Maybe as your kids are older and move out, it's a text message group that's just about prayer and, and what God's doing and, and finding ways to continue to... to Encourage their faith. There's opportunities through serving at the church and mentoring someone. We had a lot of opportunities we shared last week. I know several of you went and you talked to Pastor Dakota, Pastor Hannah about serving in children's ministry, youth ministry. It's awesome. We'll just go through some of the opportunities. If you weren't here last week, there's opportunities on Sunday mornings to work with children's ministry. There's opportunities on Wednesday night with our youth ministry. Just keep going through them. There's opportunities to serve in the church and serve with Chi Alpha on the campus in all kinds of different ways. And the challenge for us last week was find somehow, some way that you can get involved in passing the faith that you have to somebody else in the next generation. Whether that's through serving in a class, whether it's through the women's Bible study that you're going to hear more about here in just a few minutes and mentoring a young lady uh, in that setting. There's lots of ways and different things that you can do to pass your faith to the next generation. Well, today I've titled this message, Across the Street, 
and around the world. And what's happening is that Christ followers are, are increasingly more and more becoming inward focused. We have a thought in our society that it's important to put America first and, and uh, that at times that may be our primary concern. And that's fine for a country to adopt that or, or for a business outlook or whatever, but we have to be careful when this thinking creeps into the church as well because we have a, a thought and the question could fairly be asked, why not just focus on our community? Why not just focus on our church? Why should we concern ourselves with faraway people in faraway places when there's people in Laramie that need Jesus? When we get to moments like this where we look at the church and we see Christ followers that don't reach people that are far from God with the gospel, they fail to reach the next generation. When they ask, why should we care about people on the other side of the world? It's a good possibility that this is a sign that much like the post office without a mail drop box, We've forgotten the reason why we exist. The church needs a mission. And the church has a mission. Just like people need a mission and a purpose, God has a purpose for the church like he has for each and every one of our lives. When I was growing up, like a teenager in the 90s, there was a movie that was really popular and then a series, and you probably have heard of it. How many are Mission Impossible fans? And uh, in this series of movies, there's a famous line from that movie that said, Your mission... Should you choose to accept it? Well, Jesus kind of came up with that. He didn't continue with the part. This message will self-destruct in five seconds. But Jesus in Acts chapter 1, verse 6 through 8, if you want to turn there with me, it says this. They gathered around him. These are the disciples right after Jesus had been resurrected. They said, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the, of the earth. I'm going to have Victoria come. She recently went on a mission trip, and uh, she's going to share with us some of what she did. I said in the first service that it was a short trip. She was like, I think it was three weeks. It was pretty long. Short trip. I want her just to share a little bit about the opportunity she got to, have to go to Europe this summer. Yes, so um, through Chi Alpha, I had the opportunity to go to Germany and France. Um, and in Germany, we were uh, <coughs> doing the kids program there for a conference that they were doing, the SMC Connect Conference, which is basically like Chi Alpha for Europe. But um, one of my... Uh, greatest memories there was when I was working with the um, toddlers and uh, they were playing three of three of the boys there were playing and it was um, really great to see because one of them spoke English the other spoke French and the other one spoke German so they had no idea what they were talking about but it was just the most pure thing that I've ever seen um, and so um, another story was in the older group, which Josh and Elena mainly uh, were working with them, so you can ask them more about it when they return. But um, they had a kid, after somebody shared their testimony, they had a kid who was just bawling and bawling, and he was like, um, just talking about wanting to be saved and having that opportunity, and so they were able to, to, to lead him to Christ and to involve his parents, obviously. And so it was really awesome to see. Um, and then in France, we were able to do a lot of construction work with a church there. They were remodeling a retail store and turning it into a church. 
and um, that was a great opportunity. They were they were telling us a lot um, that they don't get a lot of American missionaries because they think that it was that they are rude, like the French people are rude. But um, it was great because we were a tiny, tiny little part of the American church that said, hey, we're going to get rid of our stereotypes. We're not going to um, let that hold us back from helping these people and helping um, the church there and what they're doing. And so it was really an amazing time. Thanks so much for sharing that and for staying to share it with Second Service as, as well. So here we have this passage of scripture. Jesus is giving out the mission. He's saying, your mission, should you choose to accept it, I'm going to empower you, and you're going to go be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Just like Victoria had the opportunity to do this summer. The disciples were focused on building an earthly empire. They didn't get their purpose yet. They're asking Jesus questions like, okay, now that you've raised from the dead, now are you going to set up your kingdom on earth? Are you going to create this empire? Are you going to overthrow Rome? And that's all that was in their mind was this immediate earthly kingdom. And as a church, we're always in danger of forgetting why we exist. It's easy to slip into maintenance mode. In the sales world, people do the same thing. I got an opportunity to sell cars for a few months years ago. And in the course of that process, I learned that there's several things that salespeople do that, that kind of can hurt them along the way. That really, how they determine what happens in, in answer to, to those things will determine really how good of a salesperson that they're going to be. A salesperson that's starting out that has nothing... They're willing to take risks. They're willing to do whatever it takes. Call people, cold call, you know, share about the, the products and all this kind of stuff. And they're willing to do it because they have nothing to lose. But what begins to happen is salespeople begin to have something to lose. And they begin to have customers and clients and people sitting in front of them. All of a sudden, they, they're not so out to take those risks and to work as hard and do the things early on that they did. Because there's a fear of loss that sets in, it causes him or her to change what made them successful because they're afraid of losing what they have. Same thing happens in the church. The church loses its passion to fulfill the Great Commission. It focuses inwardly. It worries about simply maintaining what it has and forgets about the lost. It surrenders its very reason for existence. It forgets that unless it's reaching people and seeing them grow in Christ and become who God created them to be, that it's not fulfilling the mission of the church. So if we're to reach across the street and around the world, there's a few things that we have to do that we can see from this passage in Acts and a few others. The first thing that we have to do is we have to understand the mission. What is it that Jesus was telling his disciples as he told them that they were going to be his witnesses in these areas. The first thing we have to understand in our lives is that we're not an accident. Even before the universe was created, it was God's intention that we be brought into the world for his purposes. Those purposes go far beyond the few years we live on earth. We were made for eternity, all of us. And the church is not an accident. It also has a purpose. So how does a church find its purpose or how do we find our purpose? Where do you look for answers? Well, self-help books will tell you that you can discover the meaning of purpose by looking in within ourselves. Well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. 
Others say, no, that's the wrong place to start. You must begin with God, your creator, and his reasons for creating you. You were made by God and for God until you understand that life will never make sense. Which is it? Well, it depends on how you view the meaning of your life and your origin. Then ask yourself, how did I get where I am and why? Why am I here? Hopefully you come to the realization that it's not by mistake or accident or coincidence that God has been moving behind the scenes of your life before you took your first breath. That he has a plan and a purpose for your life. Something that he wants to see you accomplish. Some people in their lives, they have a mission statement. Do you have a mission statement? Not everybody does. But if we're going to fulfill our reason for being, we need to define what our mission in life is. It's like we have a mission statement for our church. And you guys hear it often. We talk about a new life church exists so that people that are far from God can experience new life in Christ. As a member of this church, we need to know and participate in the fulfillment of that mission. Because why the church isn't this building, the church isn't made up of these, these chairs and the, the gravel outside. Those things are never going to reach people that are far from God. We who are part of this church, we make up the church. We are the church. So the mission is for us to find people. That's why we're encouraging you to identify the one person in your life that is most in need of what you have. Because if Jesus' mission to us is to go and be witnesses, and we're not going and being witnesses, then we're like a post office without a mail drop box. What's the purpose of what we're doing? What are we even up to? Every church has a mission. Ours is to reach people that are far from God, which is based off of the Great Commission. It's based off of Jesus' commands to us. If you have trouble with your own personal mission statement, you say, how do I develop that? Well, one thing I ask you to consider is what do you want on your epitaph when you die? Because a lot of people start thinking about that when they're on their deathbed. And at that point, it's too late to really influence that. You are who you are. You've lived the life that you lived. But instead of somehow hoping that something great magically appears there, you can get busy today living the kind of life and leaving the kind of legacy that you want to leave. So the, like the famous t-shirt says, you can live your life so the preacher doesn't have to lie at your funeral. You can actually be a decent person and live a legacy and make something that matters. Those are things you should consider today. What is it that God has for me? What assignment for my life does he have? What's the purpose and the, the calling and the mission that he has for my life? God's mission for our church should always center around making disciples. That's why our mission statement is what it is. Many times the question is asked, why missions? Why do we have these flags all over our sanctuary and we give money to these missionaries around the world? Why do people go? Well, the reason that we give and the reason that people go is because Jesus said to go. It's our mission as the church. We give and we go because there's 6,000 people groups with over 2 billion people in them that are not yet reached with the gospel, that have never heard the good news about Jesus. And we have opportunities in our country, in our city to hear them, to read them, to listen to them, to watch them on TV, to read books about them, to be in services like this one and events. It's incredible. There's people that have never heard once. In, in Yemen alone, there's 8 million people, which is 16 times more people than in our entire state. Do you know how many people have heard the gospel in Yemen? They believe it's about 20 to 30 people at the most. Not 20%, not 30%, but 20 to 30 people. Because there's 8 million people that just haven't been reached. Our kids' ministry is bigger than the number of <coughs> believers in Yemen. 
People will say there's such a great need in our country. Why not start there? And there is a need, but there's also availability. And it's not a matter of which matters most or which one that we should pick over the other. Because the reality is we shouldn't pick and choose. It's about doing it all. It's about reaching across the street and around the world. And that's what Jesus said in Acts 1. I want to look at the breakdown of what he said. As he said, you'll be my witnesses where? He said, first of all, Jerusalem. That's our immediate world. It represents our, our primary surroundings. What is your Jerusalem? Well, if you're a student on the University of Wyoming campus, probably your Jerusalem is the University of Wyoming. If you live in Laramie, your Jerusalem is Laramie. It's your surroundings, your workplace, your home, those people that you live and know and see regularly, interact with on a regularly ba regular basis. Jesus was talking to his group of followers that had known Jerusalem as their home. The second thing that he says is, you'll be my witnesses in Judea. Well, this is the surrounding area. It represents our primary, like our county responsibility. Who are the people that maybe you know of and you interact with some? Not, not, not as much as your Jerusalem, but other people that are around you. This could be Albany County. It could be the state of Wyoming. It could be any number of things that extends beyond those you interact with regularly. The third thing Jesus said is interesting. He said, you're Samaria. That's represents all those who are different than us. See, Jews hated Samaritans. They didn't want to interact with them at all. It's a different culture. The people that worship different, lived differently, behaved and believed differently. This represents our ethnic responsibility. Living in Wyoming is incredible because we get the opportunity to interact, as Derek shared last week, with people from all kinds of different cultures. They're coming here from all over the world to be trained and prepared to go back to their own countries or, or to serve in some capacity, represent their country in some way, how incredible would it be if people from the nations that came here to learn and grow and be educated found a relationship with Jesus Christ and that influenced every single decision in their life. It happens through a church accepting that there's a Samaria in our backyard of people that don't look like us or talk like us or have the same background as we do or look the same way as we do that God loves and he has made a part of our mission to reach Samaria. And then Jesus says to the ends of the earth, it represents our global responsibility. Our mission is to reach across the street and around the world. It's not one or the other, it's both. To reach people that are right around us, to begin at home with our own family and expand out from there. And as we go, that we would be witnesses of all that God has done in our lives. That we would reach the next generation in Laramie. That we'd reach people far from God in our immediate world. That we'd reach people that are different from us, that may be close or far away from us. That we'd reach people on the other side of the world that have never heard before. And to do that, we must own the mission. It's not enough to understand it. We've got to own it. And I love how Paul owned it in Acts chapter 26. It's nearing the end of his life and he's standing before King Agrippa. He's been arrested. He's facing charges and King Agrippa is basically saying, Paul, you're an educated guy. You're, you're pretty smart. You have everything going for you. Why in the world do you find yourself in the situation that you're in now? Have you lost your mind? What's going on? And Paul answers by sharing things that happened years before when Jesus appeared to him on the road. Before Paul was Paul, he was Saul. He was persecuting the church and Christians. And this is what he says to King Agrippa. He says, I is talking about Jesus talking with him on the road. He said, I, Jesus, am who you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you've seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from Gentiles. I'm sending you to them 
to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of their sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. Paul standing here before this king saying, have you lost your mind? What's going on? Why are you doing all these things that you're doing? And he's giving an account of what he had done, what he's doing for the, the, the cause of Christ. And he simply says, I've just been obedient to the assignment God gave me. I've just been, been a vessel for God to use. I've just allowed God to do what he wants to do in and through my life. Paul knew it was personal. He remembered what God had done. He remembered in the difficult moments and reflected on, on that, that assignment that God had given and the mission that God gave him for his life. He drew strength from it. It was bigger than him, and the same God that called him to it would see him through it. All he had to do was be obedient. God's not looking for our, for our ability as much as he's looking for our availability. He doesn't care about what you think you're qualified to do or able to do or what you're prepared to do as much as that you're willing to do whatever God would ask of you. God's able and willing to equip you and prepare you, and, and he's already begin, begun to do that in areas of your life in ways that you can't see for these specific assignments that he has for you and the things that he wants to do in your life. But he's simply looking for people that are willing to do it because he's not going to force any of us to serve him. He's not going to force any of us into an assignment we have to willingly respond to God's call in our life. Ministry is not for a select few. It's not for a pastor or an evangelist or a missionary to do ministry. Ministry is when you're a school teacher and you walk into your classroom and say, Today, I'm Jesus to this classroom. It's when you walk into your workplace and say, I may be the only Jesus that people are going to see in this place. And you understand that God has placed you specifically where you are for a reason and a purpose. And the assignment for your life is to be there and to follow God's plan and simply be obedient. We all are to serve and make a difference in the people that are around us. The final thing I want to challenge you with is that we've got a team together in the mission. Very few of you will ever get to every country in the world, but God has a heart for every country in the world. Every people, every nation, every tribe, and every tongue says we'll bow before him in heaven and sing praise. That's what God desires. We're one small part of God's kingdom. This church is one small part of God's kingdom in Laramie. As individuals, we're one small part of God's kingdom throughout the world. We're faithful to our assignment, but we partner together with others. Our assignment primarily is Laramie, Wyoming. That's our Jerusalem, but it doesn't end there. We want to be a church that reaches across the street and around the world, and we do that through partnership with missionaries and organizations that are serving in incredible ways. One of the organizations that I love that does incredible work is the Assemblies of God organization called Convoy of Hope. They do incredible things all over the world, from feeding programs that are the best feeding programs in the world to disaster response and recovery. And even today, they're preparing to respond to Hurricane Dorian, whatever damage will happen as a result of that. I can tell you the Convoy of Hope will be the first in. They get there before any of the other organizations. They're prepared in a way that none of the others are. And they not only take the necessary food and clean water, medical supplies, and what is needed as a result of the disaster, they also take hope and prayer and Jesus into places that desperately need it in the most difficult moments of people's lives. There's missionaries that serve around the world that have responded to God's call, that have received their orders and mission from the Lord and said, I'm willing to leave my family, 
my job, my comfort zone, everything that I'm familiar with, and I'm going to be obedient to God. I'm going to go to Africa, to Asia, to India, wherever it is that God's calling me to. And I'm going to simply be obedient to what God wants. God's kingdom works differently than we would construct our own empires. Our empires would be about us. That's typically what empires are about. They're testimonies to our abilities and our accomplishments. They're usually self-centered, inward-focused, motivated by personal opportunity for self-aggrandizement and achievement. But the economy of God's kingdom is all about others. It's motivated by selfless love. It's what it means to be a Christian and a disciple is that we love those that probably can't give us anything in return. That we, we listen to God's voice even when it appears to be a reckless choice and decision that doesn't make a lot of sense in the world's eyes. But that's exactly what God did. John 3.16, one of the most famous verses in Scripture, says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God saw a need. In response to the need he gave, he gave something personal. Jesus accepted the, the mission to go, to be the sacrifice, to give his life for us. The result is a benefit for the kingdom of God and not just for one person. The mission requires us to team together. And some of us are called to go. There's missionaries that go. That's their, their vocation, their life. They give their life to go to the mission field. We have them sometimes here at our church. In February, we'll have our missions convention. You'll hear from many of our missionaries that will be here with us. Some are called to go, and they're personally sacrificing by giving their lives in obedience to the Lord. Others support through prayer and financial means. Mission Sunday, every first Sunday of the month, we receive a missions offering and we share updates about our missionaries. The kids come in with their buddy barrels and take up, we're training our kids that there's something that's more important than just accomplishing and achieving for yourself. And it's big. Our youth, through Speed the Light, give to missions. These are big things. We, 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 the one thing I love about this church is that we have a lot of missions support that comes in financially on the first Sunday of the month, but we also have a lot that comes in on the second and the third and the fourth. This is a church that loves and believes in missions. And I just want to say on behalf of our missionaries, thank you so much for, for believing in missions. The Simways of God, obviously, is the largest missionary sending organization in the world. We have over 1,700 missionaries that serve around the world. That's incredible. That's why, that's why we, we started as a church. The Simways of God was to reach reach people all over the world and we're continuing to do that to this day and it happens through your support i want to challenge you beyond just financial giving that's great i hope everyone will give to missions but when our missionaries come and they have those little cards with their pictures you know that's not just for you to tuck away and say hey if i ever get to senegal i'll, I'll put that in my back pocket i'll know someone there put that somewhere where you can pray with them pray for them they, they depend not only on financial support, but on prayer support, because many of them are in difficult places, reaching people in, in difficult uh, parts of the world. So one way to, to, to be involved in missions is to go, another is to give, and still, finally, there's people that go on short-term trips. And this allows them not only to serve and make a difference in the time that they're there, like Victoria shared, but also helps people to develop a heart to partner with others and to accomplish the mission. There's a missionary named George Stott. He was a one-legged school teacher from Scotland. Probably doesn't sound like a person that we would have top on the, our list of, hey, I want to choose him to do something great. But God did. God chose him. And people asked him all the time after he became a missionary. 
in China. They said, why with one leg would you entertain the thought of being a missionary to China? And he said, I don't see those with two legs going, so I must go. And that began his more than 20 years of missionary work in China. But see, that was God's assignment for him. It was God's mission for his life. He was there because people supported him. People prayed for him. He answered God's call. The reality is that not all of us are called to China. That's not our assignment. It doesn't mean that we can't be a part. We teach kids from a young age. It's not all about us. I love to see and hear stories of kids that are working lemonade stands, not only to raise hundreds of dollars for themselves. A couple weeks ago, there was a big competition among lemonade stands in Laramie and a map that the city put out of all the lemonade stands. It was cool. But what I loved most about all that was that most of these kids raised several hundred dollars each through their lemonade stands, and most of the kids gave a large bit of it away to the soup kitchen and to churches and to organizations across our town. I love that because kids are learning there's something bigger than me mm -hmm. that we can be a part of. Our, our students learn that through BGMC and through Speed the Light. It's not just the money that's teaching them. They can make a difference in the world around them. We need to make sure that as we grow up and become mature and we learn so much that we don't forget the lessons that we need to know. So my challenge to you today is what are you doing in your Jerusalem, in your Judea, in your Samaria, and around the world? The immediate world around you, those people that you interact with every day, what are you doing to be a witness of all that God has done in your life? In your Judea, those people that you don't see every day but you interact with regularly, you see them occasionally, what is God doing through you to allow you to be a witness. Your Samaria, the people that you don't like, the people that you don't understand, the people whose culture you just can't quite wrap your mind around, what are you doing to be a witness of all that God has done in your life? To the people around the world, to the ends of the earth, how are you being a witness? Who are you partnering with? What are you doing? Because Jesus challenged us with your mission if you choose to accept it, is that you would be my witnesses across the street and around the world. If you've never given the missions, I want to encourage you to give to missions. Not because we need our, our missions giving has, has increased. It's incredible what we're able to do for our missionaries. In the last year, we've increased what we give to every single missionary. We've been able to pick up new missionaries when they call and say, hey, God's called me and we're going to this place. Would you consider supporting? We're able to say yes, which is an incredible thing for us to do. We've had more missions money come in than goes, goes out. And at the end of the year, we're going to have to get a group of people together and say, what missions projects do we want to support? Because the funding's coming in. So I don't stand in front of you and say, give to missions because we need more missions money. I do it because there's something that happens in you when you give to missions, and God will use it in an incredible way. And I'd love to see our church grow and be able to say yes to more missionaries and to support everybody that God is calling in whatever way that we can. I want to challenge you if you've never gone, if you've never served. The great thing about our community is we have missionaries that are in our community. Derek and Sonia work on the campus. There's missionaries in the state of Wyoming. You don't have to go to Africa or to China in order to be able to go and serve. Find a way, an opportunity. This week, Sonia shared with me about an international women's group that does a lot of stuff in our community. It takes people from all kinds of different nationalities and backgrounds and gives them experiences while they're here. And part of the, what they do is they build relationships and share the hope that is through Jesus Christ with these women. If you'd love to be a part of that, if you're a woman, you, you qualify. 
it would be awesome for you to find a way for you to serve in that area. There's women's Bible study within our church, youth ministry, kids ministry, all the things that we highlighted already. There's areas and ways to serve. The soup kitchen would love for you to go and serve. Those are all things that you can do with an hour or two of time. I, as a youth pastor, I told our, our parents of our students, and I told our students, every junior high student needs to go and serve somewhere within our country. You need to go to a soup kitchen. You need to go to a homeless shelter. You need to go somewhere and serve. It'll change their life forever. I said every high school student needs to go overseas and serve on a mission trip. It'll change their lives forever. And as an adult, it's not too old for you to make that decision. We've had have some opportunities. In just a few weeks, we're going to be going to the Holy Lands, and it's less of a ministry and serving, more of an educational trip. But it's a great trip. Next year, we've been invited to go to Scotland with Margot and Alicia Ray. They're missionaries from Wyoming. They have a history in this church. They would love for us to bring a group of people to partner with them for a week or so in Scotland as they're serving there. How awesome would that be for us to be able to go and do that? You need to get information about that. Begin saving and planning for that because it would be an awesome trip and something you need to do it. Two years from now, Tim Ligon, who's a missionary in Africa, he's invited the men of the state of Wyoming to come and build a church in Africa. He needs 10 of them built, and we've committed the state of Wyoming to bring a group of guys and to build one of those 10. And uh, it's going to be a metal building with metal roof and the, the pillars and the, the people of the village will come in later and they're going to put mud bricks up and all that, do whatever, how they want to finish it off. But in, in nine or ten days, we're going to go in and just build the frame for this building so there will be a new church there. Some of you guys, you need to begin planning and preparing. you got two years. There's no excuses. There's opportunity to raise money, to do everything that you need to do to be able to do awesome opportunities. And I want to encourage you, if you've never given to missions, to begin to give, even if it's $5 a month. Find an organization that you care about. We have missionaries here that we support. Allow God to use you in that. Let's truly be a church that cares not only about people that are across the street, but also around the world. I'm going to invite our ushers to come, and we're going to receive our offering today. You can give to missions today. It is Mission Sunday if you'd like to do that. Thank you so much for giving and supporting our missionaries. I know they're so incredibly thankful, and they'll be here, many of them here in February, to thank you themselves. But just know, what you do makes a difference. Uh, I've heard from missionaries in different places, there's different statistics and stories, but oftentimes $5 that's given does way more than we think. $5 in our pocket, that's not even enough for lunch and a drink. In the hands of a missionary, often that $5 can feed a family for a long period of time. It can take the gospel to places that it's never been, put gospel tracts and books in people's hands that desperately need it and want it. Thank you for giving and, and supporting missions and being a part of it, not only here in our church locally, but also our missionaries that serve around the world. God, we thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you that we can hear the good news about your son and all that you've done for us and that we have heard multiple times. Lord, we are cognizant of the fact that there's people that have never heard once. Lord, help our church to be a church that cares about people that are far from you, that cares about the next generation, and that cares about those that are not only across the street, but those that are around the world. And we can make a difference in our world today. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.